Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm looking at the popular practice of detoxing and whether or not the science supports it as an important part of maximising your health and well-being. Welcome back to the show. This is The Daily Dollop podcast and we are continuing our series on the detox diet. And so we talked about the detox diet being very much connected to nutritional woo. We talked about what a detox diet is, the most common reasons for people wanting to do a detox diet and the shock of finding that 92% of naturopathic doctors in the US use a detox as part of their therapy. Golly, golly. Um, We also talked about what a detox diet involves and so I covered the spectrum of protocols that commercial detox diets take and that they range from very strict starvation fasts, juice fasts, high modification of food intake, banning of foods and the use of laxatives, diuretics, vitamins and mineral concoctions and special cleansing foods. So in this episode, we're going to get stuck into this a little bit further with looking at the premise of a detox diet and and how does it work. And so what I want to talk through is firstly the term toxin and then subsequently the term detox. So typically in conventional medicine, the word toxin refers to a drug or alcohol. And so a detox is the process of withdrawing from these. So this is a very different meaning when we talk about a commercial detox diet. So when you're talking about a commercial detox diet, well, you've got a toxin and the detox helps you remove that toxin. And that's actually often as detailed as these commercial programs, detox programs get. They're super, super vague about both the toxin and the elimination method on how the detox is supposed to get rid of the toxin. And and most of the time, if I'm talking to someone who's embarking on a detox diet and they're like, oh yeah, it will detoxify my body and get rid of the toxins. And I say to them, so what toxin are you hoping to remove from your body? They, they don't know. And for most of the programs, they actually can't identify the specific toxin. It's super, super vague. And so had I known all of this back In the day when I read the Blackmore's liver cleanse diet that I did when I was 21, I would have found, yeah, there was no actual articulation of the toxins. It just talked about, oh, environmental chemicals and these toxins, they build up and right into your body and your liver gets stressed and clogged and it's going to make you sick. And so just the language and how it was written made my brain not even think, well, what is this particular toxin? It just made it go, oh gosh, I really need to do this detox diet. And 
because there is a very vague and hazy meaning for toxin, is that nearly all detox sites rarely identify the toxins that they're aiming to help you eliminate and they don't articulate the method on how their particular protocol helps you know, eliminate that particular toxin, which then makes it actually really difficult to substantiate the claims of the diet. And then, you know, one of the things that really bugs me is that they then cite really vague symptoms like fatigue and brain fog and bloating and, you know, just things like that, which could be symptoms of anything. And they then citing that their detox can help you eliminate those symptoms. The commercial detox diet detox industry also love to classify chemicals as good and bad. So as humans, we really love thinking about life in this way, good chemicals, bad chemicals, good foods, bad foods. Whereas the actual scientific community know that for pretty much all chemicals, whether synthetic or naturally occurring, that it's the dose that makes the poison. And so there's not really good chemicals or bad chemicals. It's really how much of that chemical are we being exposed to? And I can think of many examples of this. For example, water, which is essential for life. We can't live without it. If we consume too much water and there is too much water in our body, we are in a position where we have hypernutremia where we can die and the water will kill us. It's the same for iron. Iron is essential to transport oxygen around the body. It's involved in a number of chemical reactions in the body that's important for life. However, if we have too much iron and it builds up in our organs, we get iron toxicity and become sick and die. It's actually a condition that my husband has called hemochromatosis where the body doesn't dispose of iron properly and and it can build up. So there's a lot of instances where both synthetic and naturally occurring chemicals can be good for us and be helpful or they're just sort of neutral. They don't actually do anything in lower or moderate doses, but in high doses can become unhealthy for us. And then the opposite's true. Too little of things and we become unwell. We need just the right amount. And so it's really important that we think about chemicals in that way, that it's the dose that makes the the poison and that it's not really a matter of classifying chemicals as good and bad like, like a detox diet often likes to do. So I've mentioned in the previous episode that they're not backed up by evidence, but I've actually linked to a critical review paper in the show notes that you can go and read for yourself. And they conclude that there is no rigorous investigation of detox diets that have been conducted, thereby saying there's no evidence to back up the claims of these diets. So the studies that have been conducted have small sample sizes, which just means that the number of participants that they're doing the studies on are only a handful, you know, eight to 10 people, right? Even under sort of 50 participants is starting to become a small sample size. So the larger the sample size, the better quality the statistical analysis is when they're looking at different variables. The studies have sampling bias, which basically means There's biases in the people that they're choosing to participate in the studies. The studies lack a control group, which is just, you know, having a control group is a key part of starting to articulate which variables are actually having the desired effect that the the scientists are studying. 
They have a reliance on self-report. So the participants are self-reporting, you know, either their intake or their symptoms, which just lacks a little bit of objectivity. You know, self-report is quite subjective. Um, And then there's, you know, many of them don't have good quantitative data. So these are all markings of pretty poorly conducted science. And so if that's all that's been done on detoxing, you really can't say that there's a good evidence based for their use. And in fact, even with the poor science, not all of the studies promote a benefit um, of these detoxes. And of course, right, you know, when you're trying to sell a commercial detox diet, you're not actually going to be honest about the actual science out there, are you? You're just going to be like, oh, here's a here's a study, cherry pick what science I want to show to back this up, you know, rely on the fact that most people aren't going to read the study or that they're going to lack the skills to critically review the science. So yeah, that's what that's where the science is at. And until we've got good quality randomized controlled trials on, you know, high amounts of participants, we're not going to be able to get the evidence to 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 back up the claims that most of these commercial detox diets make. And I would argue that because these detox diets are so often restrictive and, you know, are low in energy and are quite um, drastic in what they're asking the user to do, that many scientists will probably find it difficult to get ethics approval for these studies, which should tell you something there as well. So let's just take a quick sort of detour off off detox diets for a second and just talk about chemicals and how the body handles them. So look, it's a long and complex story. You can read it in the paper, but essentially we're exposed to chemicals in everyday life, both synthetic and naturally occurring. We're exposed to them. And particularly since the industrial revolution, we're exposed to more chemicals in the last sort of a hundred years or more, we're exposed to much more synthetic chemicals than we previously were. The study paper suggests that there are, you know, around 80,000 different chemicals in use in today's industry um, and around the world, which is crazy, you know. And so with this sort of information and obviously with reports of different chemicals causing different problems for our health, you know, and there's been a lot of things that we used to use like BPA in drink bottles and lead in paint and asbestos in insulation that we now know, okay, we potentially should not be using this on our bodies, right? They used to have lead in makeup and makeup was so toxic for the skin. It used to make the skin peel off, right? And now... Now our makeup doesn't do that. Now our makeup nourishes our skin. So certainly I understand why detoxes have taken off because one, there's a history of us humans using chemicals, either naturally occurring or synthetic to do a particular job and finding out later on that these chemicals were crazy toxic for us, right? I remember there's a a drug, I think it was called thalidomide that um, pregnant women would take to help with nausea for their morning sickness and it caused huge birth defects in babies, right? So 100% we can take and or be exposed to chemicals that can cause huge problems for us and our health. And so definitely being careful and mindful of this is absolutely important and I don't want to downplay this at all. I just want you to think about and consider a number of questions. Firstly, is the body incapable of removing these chemicals itself? Do these chemicals cause health problems? 
If so, are we exposed to these chemicals with the dose required to affect health? Are these chemicals the result of industrial activity or are they just a part of living and general exposure to the environment? When we start to just break down and answer these questions, then we can, you know, know, okay, this is what I need to do now. I maybe need to stop taking, you know, this particular supplement because it's causing toxicity, you know, building up in my body. Or I need to potentially move away from this power plant that's pumping smoke into the air. Whatever, right? It's kind of thinking once we start to answer these questions and think about, you know, our potential exposure to different chemicals is then thinking about what are the actions we can take to reduce our exposure to these chemicals. In terms of the body and how it handles chemicals, the body has a number of systems that work to help with managing toxins. So we've got the liver, the kidneys, the gastrointestinal tract, the skin and the lungs. And basically what the body does is either convert the chemical to a less toxic form. So it actually does that with alcohol. So alcohol is toxic to the body. There's a two-step process where alcohol is transformed into an aldehyde and then to a more neutralized carbon-based molecule that then is used in other metabolism and excreted. Or what it does is it metabolizes the chemical to make it water soluble. So then it comes out in your wee. So it's then filtered out by your kidneys. They can join the chemical to another molecule and eliminate it through your gastrointestinal tract. So you poop it out. And then there's also another mechanism with the cells where the chemical, where it binds to heavy metals so that it can eliminate heavy metals from the body as well. Essentially, the body's pretty, pretty good at at eliminating the toxin as much as possible. I remember studying smoking at university and obviously smoking puts a huge amount of chemicals into the the lungs and so the cells of the lungs are exposed to crazy amounts of pretty dangerous chemicals and the body is absolutely incredible at one, dealing with that chemical and two, remaining, you know, a almost immune to it so much so that somebody can smoke throughout their entire life and and never get sick. Now, of course, obviously people do get sick. And so there's a point of no return where the damage gets so bad that the body can't repair itself anymore. But the body is reasonably effective at (laughs) eliminating the toxins that we get exposed to on a day-to-day basis. Now, the cool thing is, is that there is actually some research that suggests that some foods can help eliminate heavy metal buildup, in particular coriander and citrus fruits, among other things. But this is evidence for eating the food, not cutting out foods. So, hey, eat more coriander and citrus. So that's a good thing. And it certainly wouldn't be a treatment for heavy metal buildup, but it can help. If you suspect a buildup of heavy metals in your body, you should see your doctor and don't take you know advice off Instagram about that. But there is really little other evidence that diets can remove other chemicals more effective than the body's own elimination methods. So just to finish off this episode, I just want to talk through the chemical BPA. So a study showed that three days on fresh fruit and vegetables and avoiding plastic bottles decreased the amount of BPA found in the urine of individuals. What's really interesting is that the study didn't have a control group. And so was it the diet that did the reduction of BPA or was it 
removing the use of plastic bottles. So BPA actually has quite a short half-life in humans, meaning that it does gradually become eliminated from the body. So it would make sense that if you stop exposing yourself to it by not using plastic bottles and avoiding them, that the levels in your body would decrease. Now, of course, there's lots of benefits to be gained from a diet of fresh fruit and vegetables, you know, as well. So there's not saying that the diet was no good, but to say that it decreased the BPA in the urine based on this study would be pretty poor science. So yeah, very, very interesting. But that's it for today's episode. I'm going to finish off the series talking on the dangers of detoxing and the potential health um pitfalls that can come from doing a detox diet. Again, if you have any questions or there's a detox diet you'd love me to review, send it through to me on social. I would love to have a look at it. Have a great day team. After years of being bombarded with diet culture, I so understand that the world of healthy eating is super, super hard. My healthy eating program helps people who are struggling with their eating habits to lose weight, feel good about themselves and eat well for the rest of their life. I do this by teaching one nutrition principle at a time and showing you how to establish this knowledge as a habit in your everyday life. This is unlike any other program on the market today that simply gives you a meal plan, a list of good and bad foods or expects you to change everything all at once. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. Thank you so much for checking out The Daily Dollop. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so that we can spread the podcast far and wide and so you don't miss an episode.